0: Hello, Rip City, to all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Wednesday morning, the 1st of May. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, as always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold, Brandon Goldner. What's up, dude, on this sunny Wednesday morning?
1: Good Morning, Keith! And if you want to reach out to the Trailcasters, morning, <laughs> noon, or night, you can always do that at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Emails, those are gonna to work too. That's gonna to be trailcasters at gmail.com. And we also have a website, simply trailcasters.com. But the most important .com. thing, and I usually rise the sun to say this, we're gonna want your five star reviews, whether five they are on stars. iTunes, Stitcher, google play spotify <laughs> that does not matter what matters are those reviews because more views mean more people and more people means more fun keith how is everything going on this beautiful morning
0: boy it was going well for me until i tried to yell five stars there my morning
1: voice is not quite ready um, for that kind of range my roo- my rooster is cooked man same here why are we recording in the morning anyway why are we recording on on a day that i requested off from work
0: why am i up why at are we up at 7 a.m to record a morning? podcast tell us because we have lee ellis coming on the show lee ellis of the starters is here oh my god he is he's a fantastic guest let's launch right into it we talk about uh dame we talk about the series we talk about uh, where he came from with the starters and how they got up there Uh, sweaty
1: bodies the conversation goes all over
0: the place really all the sweat uh shout out to envy adventures and clearly speaking for all the help on our podcast let's get straight into the bit with lee
2: yeah can you hear me yes hey, sir we've got him yeah how's it going
1: good how good. you doing fine thanks thank you for taking the time we really really appreciate it thanks for having me guys
2: well this is gonna be excellent
0: uh yeah so let's uh let's launch right in let's not waste too much of your time and again yeah like brandon said lee thank you so much uh i am keith by the way we spoke earlier in the dms brandon is the other voice in the line here can you see us on video or is it just audio for okay
2: cool no i, I can't see you guys
0: yeah yeah all right, well, I think we're pretty much ready to go. Should I just launch into the intro and go with this then?
1: Yeah, I just want to comment how my lighting makes me look like I'm a corpse, so <laughs> I I promise you that I am alive, so yeah, I apologize in advance for that.
2: It looks like a beautiful morning anyway, I'll say that.
1: Yeah, Portland is nice in the summer, man. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Is it, is it true you get a lot of rain?
1: Yeah, it's it's rainy. I mean, but see, the trade-off is that you get like the trees and the foliage right. and all that good stuff. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Right you get a lot of, of humidity out
1: there? Not humidity, fortunately. Yeah, so that, right. that's a cool thing. Like, when it gets hot in the summer, it's pretty dry. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's too bad the NBA season isn't played during the summer. Maybe Portland would be more of a draw. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Damn it. Hey, off-season draw is always a, a good thing. Uh, Lee, I just got to say, though, you're starting this off exactly how Brandon would like it. Weatherman Brandon over here loves to start our pods talking about the weather around town. So feels like you're already part of the team. Right, oh, <laughs> right. All right, let's get this rolling. His basketball journey has taken him from Australia to Toronto to Atlanta. And you can see him now every week on NBA TV with Skeets, Tass, and Trey on the starters. When predicting the West semis, he said Blazers in six and then stuck with it after game one. He is sticking with Portland. He's a fan. Also, just the other day, I believe I heard you call Jokic a pretty sweaty man the other night. Obviously, you haven't hooped with me yet. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the Aussie, Lee Ellis. What's up, man?
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Jokic is a great player, but I think he's one of those guys that uh, you know when you play pickup you just touch a guy sometimes and you feel like your arm is just sweaty and you're just like yeah it's it's kind of gross but you know it's part of <laughs> part of uh, pickup ball
1: Is it like maybe like an evolutionary defense mechanism? Like you can just kind of slide away from people?
2: (laughs) You know, like in some ways, yes, because like if you're going up against that guy and, you know, you just feel like after an hour you're just getting all his sweat, you're more inclined to sort of stay (laughs) off him a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I think in some ways it is a good defensive mechanism.
0: Yeah, I've got that one pretty strong. I'm all about the the sweaty defense. You can't touch this slippery fish over here. I just slide right through to the basket. Works for me every time. Gross.
1: And <laughs> um, next time we play, we're playing shirts, no skins for you.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want me at full power here. Right. All right. Uh, Lee, let me ask you something. Uh, If you don't mind, starting off with some personal stuff. uh, I don't want to get into all the details on how you joined the starters, how you got to where you are. Uh, That is, if anyone listens to your show, I'm sure they've heard about this as well. But suffice it to say, it was a bit of a a serendipitous fate, I believe, from what I've I've heard you talk about before on the show. If you weren't doing the starters, if, if fate had not worked out quite this way, would you see yourself having your own pod and about what? Or would you be going a totally different direction in your life?
2: Well, probably in a totally different direction because the podcast that, uh, that that I'm on obviously now and started as the Basketball Jones, if it wasn't for our producers, JD and Matt, you know, they, they make us sound and look good. And, and I had no idea about all that sort of stuff. Um, I was a basketball fan and I wanted to talk about basketball and it just sort of so happened that these guys had kind of already established themselves in the basketball podcast media. And I just came along and joined the party. So um, now that I've been doing it for, you know, eight years in total, I I love it. Um, And, you know, it's like it's say, it's easy to say now, like, oh, sure, I'd I'd love to be able to to say I'd be doing my own podcast in some form. But the truth is, I probably wouldn't be. Um, I was working in banks and had pretty dull, boring jobs. So where I am now, I really, I really enjoy it a lot more, and um, you know, it's something that I, am I'm, I'm glad it worked out this way because um, you know, a lot of people ask me about my journey from Melbourne to London to Canada to to uh, Atlanta now, and uh, none of it was planned. You know, I I didn't have any grand plan that I sat down one day when I was 20 years old and mapped everything out. It was uh, a lot of luck. No, no. a lot of coincidence, a lot of chance, a lot of just trying to be ready and trying to put yourself in the position for something like this to happen. Um, but I think, you know, it, there's so much of your life tends to be about luck. However, you can sort of also create those opportunities to give yourself better luck, I also believe. But, um, you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm certainly happier now than when I was going and sort of trudging through those days, working in a bank, trying to uh, sort of just get through the end of the week.
1: So like, how does a kid in Australia follow the NBA with the time zone differences and the access to the games? Like, how, how are you engaging as a fan? I'll just say for me in Oregon, I could have gone to games, but I didn't. I mean, I was following on TV when I could, when my parents let me, but how did you, uh, when you were growing up, how were you following the NBA?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that, you're right. There was no cable TV. There was no internet back in the late eighties when I first started watching basketball. And uh, if anyone's unfamiliar, the, the first big break or... Big experience I got was the 1987 All-Star Game, which my brother sort of got yeah. off somebody. And that just sort of created this fascination with the league. And so I did anything I could to get hold of basketball magazines, the uh, USA Today newspaper, which I which I used to pay my friend to get for me. Um, <laughs> he, he, it was a great scam he had running there. But I, you know, and then with, with my, um, when I went to the news agency, the local news agency to buy magazines, I sort of said to them, like, anytime you get any basketball magazine, hold it for me, keep it here, and, and they would do that. And then they would get a few more. They got Street & Smiths. They got the, um, you know, Basketball Digest and Hoop magazine and all these magazines. And and I, I couldn't afford them. I couldn't. I had no money to pay for them. I kept having to hit up mum and dad. But um, the point <laughs> being that I, I sort of just – anything I could do to get access to the basketball, to the NBA, was, was what I did. And it was, uh, you know, very, very uh, – like, you know, when you're a kid and when you're really into something, you tend to dive – head first and you just absorb everything and you take everything in. And, you know, any, any sort of connection I found to the NBA, I just sort of really absorbed. And then in the late eighties, I think it was the 88, 89 season, they started showing one game a week um, in Australia. Like it wasn't live, obviously it was like two or three weeks late. But I would record that and watch it over and over and over again. And, um, you know, I still remember, for example, Liddell Eccles one night had a had one point shy of a career high. That was just one of the games he was playing, and I just watched that. And I was like, all right, Liddell Eccles, I know I know his career high. I know all about him now. Um, you know, so he's obviously, you know, like a, a nothing player in the grand scheme of things. So, you, But you can see how then if you started seeing players – for example, like a Glenn Rice from Miami, who was a bit of a you know high draft pick and a good player um, in those early days of the, of the late '80s and early '90s, you, you know you absorb all this information about these guys, and so uh, you know then when Run TMC came along, and, and you know Tim Hardaway and Mitch Richmond, they, they, you know I just I just loved watching those guys play, and um, you know it was. It was very appealing for a, a young guy who loved playing basketball. And then, like most of us, when you, when you have a hero or an idol, you go out into the, into the backyard or the, or the schoolyard and you try to recreate what you've been watching on TV.
0: <laughs> I saw you recreate the 37 uh, footer the other day. I feel like that's kind uh, <laughs> of our, our most recent uh, example of exactly such.
2: Well, I mean, but that's exactly, you know, as I said in that in that tweet and in the Instagram post, I said, this is, nothing's changed in the last 30 years for me as far as I would see something like what Lilla did. And I'm like, oh my God, I just got to go out there and just do it myself, you know, because... That's that's what it is for so many, you know, little boys and girls, and they they see something and they just want to try to do it themselves. And we've all been in that situation where you hit the game winner at home when no one's watching, and you do the countdown of the clock. And uh, you know, so to do that for for you know what I did with Dame the other day was um, really just like me going back to my childhood.
1: And that actually, it's a perfect segue into the next question: is just the 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 show Killin itself, it. the starters, um, the podcast, like you all have so much fun on that show or at least it comes across that way like man there was a time a couple of years ago i was playing disc golf i had the podcast on and you guys were like talking about like i can't even remember the exact conversation but like you were talking about like googling like dirty sex terms and like you were like <laughs> hyperventilating laughing like i had to stop like i couldn't walk like It was just like, I can't even believe this. Like, for as often as you have to do the show, you have to do the podcast, you have to get on TV and under the lights and all the planning that goes into it. Like, is it really as much fun as it seems to come across? Like, do you guys enjoy each other as much as it seems? Um, I mean, I just, it's just, it's such a blast for me and Keith to listen to and everyone else. I'm just curious about that
2: yeah it is I mean I mean we you know we, we have a great job and we get to talk about basketball for a living and we're just six dudes who you know we spend way too much time with each other in the office preparing for the show so <laughs> obviously at times there, there are moments where we uh, we get on each other's nerves a bit but um, I think the, the big picture of it is that you know like I say we, we love what we're doing and the show itself, uh, we've never tried to pretend that the show is like we we never say that we're ex pros or anything like that we we we're fans uh, like you guys you know we have opinions sometimes they're good sometimes they're awful we make predictions <laughs> you know but but the thing is what we do is no different to what most basketball or sports fans do with their friends you know you sit around you argue over things you have biases you have preferences you have you have moments where you're like You know, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But then you also have moments where you're like, you really connect with each other on on things and you agree on things. And so when you do that, as we have done now together, I've been with the team for eight years uh, and they started back in 2006, Skeets, Tass and JD. You know, obviously you're going to have moments where you disagree with each other and you get sort of, you know, you get heated because you believe you're right and the other guy's wrong. But you never let that sort of linger. You just kind of move on and then you get on to the next subject. And, and, and then what we also try to inject is not just hardcore basketball analysis. We try to make it fun. We try to make it entertaining. And we also try to interject our own personalities because I think sport has gotten away a little bit from the fun side of it and the entertainment side. And, it, and you know, it's so – everyone's so obsessed. What's Kevin Durant going to do next year? What's he – and it's like, you know what, I mean, like – who, who cares, really? Who cares? He's a grown man. Yeah. Do whatever he wants. Like, I don't think we need to go into this deep psychoanalysis of, like, oh, if he leaves the Warriors, it's because he hates Steph and he hates Steve Kerr. <laughs> It's like he's a grown man. He plays basketball for a living. He's choosing who's going to pay him $100 million for the next, you know, two or three years. Like, it's not, it's not like he has in a professional sense, a lot of difficult uh, decisions to make. It's fun, it's entertaining, and and that's what we try to do with the show And, and so that people actually – you don't have to be a basketball fan to necessarily enjoy our show. And, and when we get emails from people, tends to be more from females who say, oh, my boyfriend or my partner got me into this, I wasn't a basketball <laughs> fan for your show. Honestly, those fans – they really mean uh, so much to us because it's like great. We've 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 actually recruited some people who aren't basketball fans um, and right. they like the show. So that's something that I think is uh, you know is something to be proud of.
0: We had kind of a um, a fun example of that kind of stuff a a while ago too we've had a couple listeners reach out to us saying uh they attended their first blazer game after listening to some of our paws and they were kind of listening to kind of get warmed up on the team and all this and i think what you touched on there lee as far as keeping it fun is a real critical part of this too actually in game uh in the end of the uh, first round series against okc i had a night watching at home where i was taking it way too seriously i ended up actually having to apologize to my wife and dogs for all the commotion and how it wasn't very fun uh experience for them at that point but on air and off I, i feel like you're right it's important to remember that this is a it's a game that we all love. It's something that we enjoy as fans and it's not something we need to take quite so seriously.
2: Well that, that's right. Um I mean, I used to be like that a hardcore fan, you know, growing up like and you would live and die by results and you're like, oh right. my god, I can't believe my team lost. And and now, and, you know, look, I'm I'm in my 40s now. I've got a, I'm a father of two boys, I'm married. Like you realize what's actually more important, you know, and and and, and a game of basketball or a series, even a championship, at the end of the day it's not really I'm going to change your whole life that much and and it shouldn't either it's like great you know like whether you know you guys obviously are, are on the west coast there you've seen enough of the warriors over these last four or five years that you're hoping oh yeah beat them you know but from a basketball sense what they've done no one saw this coming you know nobody's no nobody could have predicted this even six years ago you know like steph is too small the warriors are, have been a bit of a joke franchise for 20 plus years but then Steph and Clay, things come together. Draymond Green, nobody saw Draymond Green becoming the player he he's become. Right, so it's right. like, you know what, enjoy it because um, if, if Steph, if uh, Clay leaves, if uh, Kevin leaves and maybe Clay leaves and then Steph leaves, then the Warriors will go back to struggling to be a playoff team like everybody else. It's a cycle. They're not going to be on top forever. Um, but at the end of the day, what they have done for basketball globally has been great because it's it's really – the sport is enjoying, in my mind, no question, the, the most uh, – the the biggest um what's the word like
1: uh
2: yeah exactly yeah i I think what what steph has done for the game and and the warriors has been great for basketball around the world because it's such as a popular sport and league pass subscriptions are going up attendances are up you know people all around the world are just captivated by what they're seeing and i think that's great for the overall spectacle of sports
1: yeah, and it is. It's it's cool, honestly, for longtime Warriors fans so for them to see what's happening is really neat. And let's move from the love of the game to a subject that we all love talking about, which is officiating. <laughs> but I, have, I have like a specific question about it that I wanted to get at, which is, um, you know, players, the Warriors, the Rockets right now, you know, talking about we're not getting the right calls. They're going back and analyzing calls from previous. I just users, want like, a fair game. Yeah. I don't know what all of that's about, but I mean, as someone who played at least through high school, like I can understand that there's some expectation of consistency in the officiating. And what I wanted to ask was about like, I mean, you've been following the NBA for a really long time. Like what level of consistency with the officiating do you think there should be, or do you think should be the standard? Like, should it be consistency from quarter to quarter? Like we're going to call the first quarter this way, second quarter this way, Or for the whole game or the whole season? And the reason why I'm asking is like that, like the rules of the game, the boundaries within which you can play, that's going to inform player development and team schematics. So I can kind of understand, look, like if the rules are such, we're going to train for these rules. How important is it? Do you think that the NBA get some level of consistency around the officiating and what level of consistency do you think is appropriate and sorry for using the word consistency 30 million times my bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, the, the,
2: the most difficult thing about basketball is is it comes down to interpretation you know and and the the, the stuff with james harden over the weekend like you know kicking his legs out it, now when you say you're kicking your legs out people say reggie miller so it shows that that's been going around for the last 20 or 30 years reggie was right. famous for doing that so it's not like James Harden's just done it. Now, uh, James Harden as a player is, is a brilliant player. There's no question about it. He's going to be either MVP or runner-up this year. Uh, he was MVP two se- uh, well, last season, was it? Yeah, and then he's been a runner-up twice. So there's no doubt he's an impactful player. But he games the referees and he games the game by going in and you know bumping into guys and flopping his head back and doing all that, which he just doesn't need to do. And it makes it frustrating yeah. to watch because he is so yeah. talented. So when you see he and the Rockets complaining about calls going against them, it's like, well, you really, this is extremely hypocritical and nobody's going to have any sympathy for you because not only James Harden, but Chris Paul's the same. You know? and, and Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer, you know, a brilliant point guard. I love watching him when he's playing the right way. But when he's doing all that and then he's, he's always arguing with the referees, you you cannot as a referee not have some personal um, impact on you where you're like screw this guy like I'm sick of him I, I'm sick of him complaining about everything sometimes he's right and, but not always and um, if if you guys have ever refereed any basketball at any level it's 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 the worst job in the world <laughs> both teams angry at you all the time and then you've got people saying you you know you cheated them and you and it's like as if any referee goes into a game and there's, you know, a, a professional rec- referee with any integrity goes in and says, I'm going to make sure this team wins. It just it just doesn't happen. I mean, these guys have been doing it for years. This is their profession. This is what they, you know, this is how they earn their money. To just pretend that they go out there and think, oh, I don't really care. I'm just going to fix this game. I mean, I know there's been instances of it in the past with Tim Donaghy and that, but overall, referees take this profession, uh, you know, as seriously as any player does, any coach, any GM. They want to be the best they can be. Uh, but it's very hard when you've got people who, players who are always trying to bend the rules and trying to exaggerate contact and embellish contact. And also, in basketball, I mean, you you, you know, when you play, it's, people call it a, a technically a non-contact sport, but it's not a non-contact sport. There's a lot of contact, as we were talking all with sweaty guys. I mean, you know, even when you play pick-up basketball, if, someone, if someone's backing you down in the post, you have a choice to either... Take his hit and flop and try to get a foul, or you just bang back and you try to, you know, you, you see who can who wins that little battle. It's yeah. not when no one's being dirty and no one's trying to cheat the rules, but that's what it comes down to. It's like you're trying to establish position, or you're trying to get the guy out of position, and there's some physical contact there. But what we see in the NBA is guys might sort of bang against each other, and then all of a sudden the guy just falls down as if he's been shot, and the rest go, <laughs> okay, now that was an offensive foul. And it's like, well, I mean, these guys are huge guys you can't just knock them over so easily so there's some embellishment there um so it's it's very very tough but I think I think the problem is when you see players in the NBA level and this is in soccer as well and and i guess it's in baseball and in every sport when you see players screaming and yelling at the officials kids who are watching that think that that's acceptable and and that's that's a big problem uh because you can't have you know, I've seen it, um, you know, myself, you know, my, my one, my, one of my sons is seven and I've seen him playing and I've seen kids screaming at other kids and I've seen parents on the sidelines like screaming and it's like, this is not fun. You know, this is ugly and this is not what we want to teach our kids. So, um, you know, th- there's the respect level there that comes into it, understanding that there will be mistakes by referees, but uh, I- accepting as well that probably I would say three quarters of the calls they make are probably right. And, you know, you're never going to get 100% right and you're never going to please anybody, everybody. But you have to understand that they're doing the best they can. And I think that that has been lost in the last couple of years because, again, James Harden, I mean, he's, he's really pushing the, the, the laws as much as he can and getting away with it. And then when he doesn't get away with it, the Rockets are, are complaining and, and people are just sort of shrugging their shoulders and saying, you guys have got no credibility when it comes to uh, complaining about calls.
0: Boy, Lee, I feel like we could uh, we could have probably done an entire pod segment just talking about the refs. I want to go on from this forever. I think you're making some great points here. Um, unfortunately, I know we've only got a limited time with you, and I want to squeeze one more question in here if we can. You mentioned you mentioned limits, uh, and I've heard you and the rest of the starters mention a couple episodes now about. Could this possibly be Dame's Dirk performance or Dame, uh, Dame's Dirk of 2011? And I just wanted to maybe try and get some details out of you on this. Is this something that you see only lasting this postseason, or is it more of maybe a status or a level that he's attained? Can he come back to this? Is this, is this something that uh, Blazer fans can hope for more of a more peak Dame at this level? And is this even, is this even his ceiling, or would you say this is maybe just something on the way to uh, greater things that he's going to do?
2: Well, I think, I think it's probably his ceiling, but I think he can maintain this ceiling for a few more years. You know, I I don't... Um, like, the one thing about Lillard, you know, he came in after four years, I believe it was, um, and he was a little bit more physically and mentally mature. You know, you, and you could tell that right away. Um, but I, I also think he's one of those guys who has so much confidence and a belief in himself that he understands that, you know, he's going up against... the 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 Warriors as I was saying earlier you know one of the most incredible teams we've ever seen so timing just hasn't worked out for him but he's also he's not giving up he's not quitting he's not demanding a trade he's never a problem off the court he understands that you know things can maybe just break his way at some point if he maintains a certain level and leads from the front like he has been I mean he and CJ great backcourt obviously Nurkic that's that's a terrible loss for him the Blazers are trying everything they can to, to to succeed. But at some point, you also realize through NBA history, Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, all these players have been great and have been kind of uh, title contenders for lots of years through their career. But if you run into a Michael Jordan or a Shaq or a LeBron, there's just not enough championships to go around. So Dame might not ever get there but I certainly like the way that he sort of persists and maintains his, his sort of own self-belief and improves his game and gets better. And, you know, look at the comeback from where he was this time last year, being swept, yeah. being embarrassed by the New Orleans Pelicans. A lot of guys would have said, you know what, I'm out of here. I want to trade. I want to go somewhere else. Right. Instead, he just said, well, I'll get better. I'll learn from this. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you guys, I'm sure, saw nobody in the NBA media picked the Blazers to beat the Thunder in that first round, except for Nick DePaula. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know um, and 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 the thing is like it's it's no it's not a disrespectful thing towards Dame. It's just like history told us that the Thunder had had swept the Blazers during the regular season and, you know, just looked like that the Blazers probably wouldn't get out of that first round. But Dame proved everyone wrong. And so that's why I picked him and the Blazers in the second round against the Nuggets, because I'm like <laughs> I thought, you know what? The Nuggets were very, very impressive against the Spurs. I thought they were dead when they were down 2-1, and then game four was in San Antonio, but they fought back, and I thought but that could also be, this could also be almost the championship for the Nuggets, just getting out of that first round. But, um, you know, big, slippery Nikola Jokic was incredible in game one, and <laughs> yeah. Lillard was incredible as well. Well, you know? I mean, but, and uh, that,
1: I think it says something about Dane that it's like you talk about him having 39-6 and six on 50-plus percent shooting, and what we're saying is he could do better. And the Blazers need better from him. That says, I think, more about him and his stature than almost anything.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, he—he's one of those players. I mean, he may—he was first team All NBA last year. He may crack it again this year. Um, I'm not sure if he will, but he will certainly be second team if uh, if if not. I mean, he's—he's a sort of player that every franchise would love to have. As I mentioned earlier, you know, never any trouble off the court. You know, a family man, uh, always works hard, tries his best. You never see him just you know mailing it in for a game or even a quarter like he's a fighter he's he's basically I, I compare him to russell westbrook in that sort of fighting intensity just without the the sort of snarling the growling and the barking that westbrook has you know you know westbrook is a, is a fighter and a competitor but he gets in his own way yeah. whereas dame yeah. is that quiet calm killer um you know that's one thing i talked about on the show after i think game one or two of the series i thought Dame's so scary because he's not emotional right now. He's just like, I'm you know, it's it's like this guy should be just Yeah, exactly. Um and that's what's so that's what's so incredible about him. And and, and again, so in this series, I picked the Blazers in six, they're down one zero at the moment. But I, I from what I saw in that first round and, and as we mentioned, that sort of dirk like run in twenty eleven, I've just there's no way I can write off Dame from here. Even if they're going to down 0-2 because, you know, he's he's that guy who you like you can knock him down a hundred times and he's going to get up 101 times and he's going to keep on fighting. And and, and that's, that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of spirit that, that fans want to rally around a a guy who you just know is like, he's never, ever going to give up. And um, because, you know, we've seen it and and look, I I spent nine years in Toronto. So I've seen the Raptors up close where, you know, they don't win game once. (laughs) And uh, you know, it's so frustrating because you're like, these guys look like they're just not ready or the the moment is scaring them or they're just you know there's something wrong mentally whereas Lillard always feels like he's prepared and ready to go even though things went so terribly wrong last season but you know that that didn't have any sort of overflow into this season it was like a new season start again and uh, and the results you know potentially look if the warriors you know, the warriors and rocket series go 7 games and the blazers get out of this first round I mean, that that's a that's a there's a path there to the NBA finals for the Warriors because yeah. it, it's like I mean, look, the Warriors are still clear favorite, no question. They're up 2-0 on the Rockets, but if that series of the Rockets can drag it out to seven, and if the Blazers get back in against the Nuggets uh, tomorrow night, or is that tonight? I think that's game two tonight, actually. Tonight, uh, yeah, yeah. You uh, you know that that that's that's the sort of thing I was saying before. If things break your way you know, you you just could find yourself in a very strong position because Greg Popovich, you know, five-time NBA championship coach, I remember after they won their last one against the Heat, and, you know, people said, oh, the comeback from last year after the heartbreaking loss, and he's like, you know, luck plays such a big part of things, though. Things just need to sort of go your way, and, um, you know, if you can be in the right place at the right time, you, you might find yourself in a position to win a championship. So, you know, things haven't worked out that way so far for the Blazers, but... You only need one or two things to go right, and and you could find yourself uh, contending.
0: Love it, yeah, exactly. the 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 chance is there, the path is there, and I love hearing this from a source who can't just be called a homer like everyone says about <laughs> us when we
2: bring this up. Lee Ellis. If it's any consolation, uh, everyone uh, fans call me a hater for whichever team I pick against in that uh, <laughs> playoff. So, um, you know, it's like it, it's it. it that, that's a crazy thing about our job. You know, like we have a series. You know, Portland, Denver. Yeah. So you pick Portland, Nuggets fans. You're a hater. In the first round, I picked the Thunder to beat the Blazers. You hate Portland. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, I have to pick someone. I have to pick someone.
0: I'm totally going to call you out at some point for hating Portland as soon as you go the other way. But listen <laughs> – Lee Ellis thank you so much for coming on the show man I, I think we could keep you on here so much longer we know you're a busy man though uh, hopefully we can get you back on as soon as possible to talk more about the refs more about Dame ceiling, and maybe you know Portland's chance of winning a championship it's going to get even better from here on out I believe it uh, and again just thank you so much if listeners wanted to reach out to you what is the best way to do so on social media
2: just on, on Twitter um, at Lee Ellis L E I G H E double L I S that's the best way to get me um, DMs are open so, uh, you know, shoot me a message if you want. And, um, you know, if it's not too offensive, I might respond.
1: <laughs> you heard it here, guys. Slide right into Lee Ellis' DMs. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much again,
0: man. Lee Ellis of the starters. Uh, thank you so much.
2: No worries, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Welcome back. Oh, my God. That was fantastic. I feel like we could talk to him for probably another hour, two hours, three hours before having Man. to take a break and then come back for even more. After oh, that. yeah. That was awesome. Yeah,
1: I mean, and just like, I mean, I, the starters, as you said, like during the show, like obviously one of our favorite, if not our favorite pod's my favorite podcast, and I. it's hard to pick a favorite of the four, but he's always been my favorite. I, I just think he's such a cool <laughs> dude. And I had mentioned that there was a, a segment that they did a few years ago that made me bust out laughing. The one thing I didn't get to mention, and this is apropos of nothing. And I'm sorry I'm taking up time. They had a segment a couple of years ago, what would you like to put a hiatus on? And I didn't get to ask him whether they had run these by each other before they did them, but Lee's made me bust up so much he's like i think we should put a bit of a hiatus on religion we've done religion i remember this (laughs) yeah we've done it for a really long time and let's just take a little bit of time to see how the world is without it and it's so like (laughs) earnest and like there was no vitriol or anything it's like let's just take a look at how this would work anyway he's a cool dude i'm so thankful he came on the show and yeah shout out to all those guys that's hilarious because
0: I remember that specific episode. I remember that conversation, and I don't know if it was like busted laughing, but I think I remember hearing that and same kind of reaction as what you're saying, just being like, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It has nothing to do with basketball, but yeah, Seriously. that's some good truth, and it, it sounds good. Uh, yeah, dude, that was incredible. Lee is, uh, I, like you said, hard to pick a favorite. I love all the starters, but he is one of these guys that is just so relatable. He is so much uh, essentially the, the everyman's man with some of this. He's been an inspiration for me as far as, obviously, getting us going on the podcast. Like Specifically, Lee had talked about on one of the episodes, I think in the off season years ago, how they started the starters, and that was a huge part of why I reached out to you to try and get this going. So, so Aww. again, shout out to Lee specifically. He helped make this show, as well as the inspiration as far as old men getting in shape. Uh, Should we be giving him a that. cut
1: of our royalties? The the $300 oh, yeah, all, a year these, that we make. All these fat <laughs> royalties that we're rolling
0: into. Maybe when we get down to the point of being a five-day-a-week NBA TV show, we can talk to him about that then. There we go.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, <laughs> Let's talk about it. the Blazers. Of course, that's why we're here. Um, the Blazers, game one, didn't quite go their way. It was a close game. Uh, game two coming up today. The podcast should drop in the afternoon here on Tuesday. But, Keith, maybe just a quick moment on maybe one or two things you saw from game one. Um, What are your thoughts about that? Obviously tough to lose, but it's on the road. They had a long layoff before. How are you feeling about that?
0: Well, I've got a very, uh, a central tenant for this one that I think is probably somewhat predictable by now coming from me as far as something that, uh, was a big factor in game one, the officiating. And we talked about this with Lee even as well. We talked about some of the officiating issues recently and what has kind of changed, how much, how good is it really, how much could we really expect? Also even shout out to Eric Griffith, one of our guests on a recent episode, a couple, uh, a couple games ago, I guess at this point since we've been doing a pod for almost every game, uh, he mentioned that this is more about the technology and the fans' ability to analyze what the refs are doing, and that's what's making it seem so bad. Lee didn't exactly go that direction. He did kind of mention that this is, uh, th- that they're doing the best they can, but that it's an imperfect science. As far as Game 1 with the Blazers in Denver, uh, I saw an article on ESPN talking about how the playoffs have averaged 6.3 ejections over 28 seasons uh, since they first started tracking ejections in 91-92. Last year, there were only three ejections in the entire playoffs. Game officials this year have ejected 12 players from games this postseason, equaling a record set in 1994 and 2003. So, yes, the officials are not perfect, and yes, they are doing the best they can, but there is something going on as far as what fans are able to see, what players are kind of trying to draw them on or uh, just just draw uh, attention for. This uh, this playoff uh, match, these playoff matchups so far have been more contentious. I think that shows it right there. There's more disagreement. There's more kind of uh, a butting heads about how the game should be played than there really is in almost any other basketball season.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I also agree that the officiating has been in stark focus. Like you said, we talked about it with Lee. I don't agree that officiating is the reason why the Blazers lost game one. I point to turnovers. There were so many of those. There was a sequence. Uh, I think it was near the end of the third, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe the end. It was the end of the one of the quarters. They had four turnovers. They had um, uh, and two really poor missed shots. Just really bad shot selection. I think is what happened. And that can't happen. That just can't happen. Uh, Turnovers lead to points for the other team, not to mention there's like the butterfly effect of the momentum shift that happens. So for me, looking at game one, I'm not concerned. I don't think you are either. It was relatively close, despite the Blazers not playing their best game. So I don't know. What do you think about game two coming in here? Back in the Mile High City, back where seats are $21 a pop. If you're a Denver fan, get to that game. Wow. Like, jeez, that, Isn't that insane? Like a round two game is 21 bucks? Like, but I... Shut up.
0: Shout-out to uh, Evan M., our buddy down in New Orleans. He actually made a point before the series started that he was saying that if uh, Denver won the series, he bought like a $60 plane ticket to Denver to see Game 1. And obviously, I think you and I both spoke before, too. We thought if the Blazers were going to steal one of these first two games, most likely thing would have been Game 1, with Denver coming home uh, from a long seven-game series, not being rested, maybe being a little emotionally worn out. But the other side of that, maybe they found a little bit of rhythm against the Spurs. Maybe coming back to Denver was a little bit of the boost they needed. Game 2, I think, could be our, obviously, our next opportunity but i think it's a pretty good opportunity still to try and steal one on the road for for uh, for the series
1: i think so too and look like i aminu... mean that wasn't at all what
0: you asked was it did i just go a totally different no you're fine you man it's again seven in the
1: morning <laughs> like aminu and harkless are not going to go like you know combine two for 11 or whatever that they did and had like four points combined like that's not going to happen again um you know cj mccollum's going to play a little bit better i'm not super concerned i think the blazers have gotten a look at denver they know how they want to play Um, Jokic is going to be Jokic. That's just, you can't can't do much about that. Paul Millsop was red hot in the first half of that game. So I don't know, man, like game two is going to be close. I think the Blazers have a chance if they can keep their composure, if they can stop turning the ball over. I really think the Blazers have a chance in game two. And if that happens, the whole series gets tipped.
0: Well, and you're focusing on the turnovers for it and you're not wrong. Uh, I think kind of like what we saw in the OKC series in, was it game four that we lost or game three? I'm already forgetting. It seems so long ago. I think it was game three. Yeah, I think it was game three. Okay, but that, that was the same one where uh, turnovers and officiating, I believe, were both issues in that. And you saw the Blazers, Dame specifically, kind of get fed up with the refs. There was a lot of emphatic uh, animation towards the refs saying, what, what about this call? We saw a lot of that game one on Monday night. I'm sorry. S- gosh, I'm so far. Yeah, it was Monday. Boy, I'm mixed up with this. It's too early to podcast. Wait, game um- one was
1: on... Uh- Oh, yeah, it was Monday. It was
0: Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're good. But, no, we saw the same kind of thing as we saw in Game 3 against OKC. In Game 1 against Denver, Dame and some of the others were very uh, very emphatic towards the refs about where's this call? Why was there not a kickball there? Why am I not getting anything here? And what we saw after that in the OKC series was Dame turn his team around and say, don't talk to the refs. Don't talk to anyone not in red and black. Make this about us, focus on our game. And they did, and they took it down. I think if we see that same thing today, it goes our way.
1: I do, too, and I do- I mean, I love Dame, but it's a little hypocritical of him because there was a quote that came out after Game One against Denver. He was asked about the refs and he said, "Hey, you have to like call it on the court and like you have to ask those fouls." Like Dame, that's not what you were saying like a couple days ago. So like I didn't quite understand his tact there. Um, you know, the the free throw disparity was very small. You know, thirty one for the Nuggets, twenty seven for the Blazers. But again, those turnovers. Denver only had twelve. Blazers had eighteen. Clean that up, and I think the game is theirs. Honestly, like because it's not just the turnover itself; it's what the turnover leads to for the other right. team. It's how well, and, it makes and, your team feel. Like all this, and again, I,
0: I think. I think these are tied together. I think officiating could help eliminate some of those turnovers. I think there are definitely spots in Game 1 where uh, Blazers might feel like they were being grabbed and lost the ball and aren't getting a call that might have been called the other end if they're trying to get in and maybe uh, hack or grab Jokic or Murray or something like that. Uh, in, in general, though, how are you feeling about Game 2? You, if, if you had to give the Blazers or the, or the Nuggets an edge, uh, which way do you go for this one?
1: Oh, man, it's so close. I... 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 <laughs> <laughs> If I had gun to my head, probably Denver because they won game one. They're at home again. But again, like it's so close that I could easily see the Blazers winning this game. Uh, one that's very tight and highly competitive. I probably am going to give Denver the edge again because they did win game one and they're at home and the Blazers are the team that has to adjust. It's interesting to see what Terry Stotts might do here, too.
0: Yeah, Stotts, I think, will be a big part of this. I think he and Mike Malone know each other well enough. It really is going to be a matter of who can make the adjustment for the other coach and coaching style. Uh, I'm going to say I think I'm giving the edge to Portland in this one honestly because again if we're looking at the patterns when game three happened and Dame was able to kind of use that uh, extreme like not extreme but just the loss that that stung it it was not just like oh well we played our best and didn't work out our way shucks it was a stinging loss that they felt like things could have gone better for them I feel like if they come out of the same way come out of game one the same way as they did with game three I think Blazers uh, could come out of the fire in Denver and maybe take away their home court advantage tonight.
1: That would be awesome. I would love to see that. Um, let us know what you think, fans. You can reach out to us at Trailcasters Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, Trailcasters@gmail.com, or simply Trailcasters.com. Remember that the intro, outro beats that you're enjoying right Odar. now, brought to you by Odar. You can check out his work at SoundCloud.com/slash Odar Beats. Please give us a review. We appreciate all of you so much thank you to lee ellis again and with that keith if you get if you could get us all of the way out of here i would very much appreciate it so that i can go to work
0: uh, I might go back to bed. In closing, your oh, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Brandon, as always. Thank you to Odar for those fat peas. Thank you to our sponsors, Envy Adventures, and Clearly Speaking. And thank you to that Ozzy, Lee Ellis of the Starters for joining us. That was amazing. Also, hey, quick shout out here to to, Wheeler, uh, to Brian Wheeler. Wheels uh, has announced that he has done his last game of the season this year. Travis Demers has taken over for him. Wheels has had some health issues in the past. I haven't heard too many details, but hopefully he's good and okay, and we see plenty more of him in the future. Shout out to Wheels. And right back to the closing, thank you listeners for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you one more time, and please come back for the next edition of the Trailcasters.